This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Lord God, in a real way, in a special way, Help us to understand that each and every day, each and every second, you're actually drawing us nearer to you. You hold us close in your arms of compassion, love, and strength. You see us and you treat us as the apple of your eye. Lord God, confirm that truth in us today as we worship you. We pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. In the past, sports like meant the world to me. I've got tons and tons of examples of that. I'm just gonna share one with you. When I was a freshman in high school, I wanted to make the freshman basketball team all in hopes of one day playing for varsity. And when I went out for that freshman basketball team on that first day of tryouts, there were over 70 guys who had the same dream. I want to assure you, I was not the tallest guy there, nor the strongest. I prayed. And I prayed, I wanted to be on that team. Those first days of practice were brutal. We did not take a single shot. All we did was run. That was the coach's way of thinning out the herd. Seeing who was really committed and, and who wasn't. Sure enough, Quite a few guys dropped out after those first couple of days. And then after that, it was about every two or three days or so that there would be cuts. And the coach at the end of the practice would say, when you get to school tomorrow, go down into the locker room. And if your name's on the page, the piece of paper, you're still on the team. If not, you don't need to show up for practice that afternoon, you're cut. I go home and I pray and pray and I'd go down to that locker room the next morning all scared and nervous and praying and my name was still on the list. And every couple of days that happened until finally we're getting to that point where we really needed to start practicing as a team. We had uh, games coming up soon and, and at the end of one of the practices near that time, the coach goes, okay, tomorrow for practice, We're going to play one-on-one. Intuitively, we all figured that out. What he was saying was, if you win the one-on-one, you're on the team. And if you lose it, you're caught. And that's exactly the way it played out. And when I was playing against my guy, we were pretty much the, the same in everything. And he missed a really easy shot. And that opened the door for me, and I won the one-on-one, and I made the team, and God, God was working in my life. 
But what if I had lost the one-on-one? What if I hadn't made the team? Was God still working in my life? What do you think? Maybe a better question is, what do you want God to do for you in your life? I know that some of you, you want to have a family. And you've been trying and, and you've been praying, but up to this point, every time you look at the test, the pregnancy test, there's just one line and not two. And every time that happens, you're crushed and you're devastated all over again. I know that some of you are praying for the safety and the welfare of your children and your grandchildren. And and there are so many variables at play and, and all these things are out of your control. The only thing you have in your control is your prayer life. I know that some of you are sick with a really bad sickness or disease, you're you're suffering from cancer or an autoimmune disease, or the the doctors, they they can't can't find what you're suffering from yet. They, They don't know. They don't understand. And you're just praying. We're praying along with you. You're praying for answers, but not only that, we're all together praying for a cure. Oh, some of you are struggling with depression, anxiety, or some other mental health issues. And there's some really dark times, some really troubling times, times where it's just dark and you feel empty and and you're scared and you're nervous. You sometimes feel worthless and and hopeless. That's hard. I know some of you, are struggling with addictions. You know it. You you may not have really admitted it to yourself, but you know it. Maybe it's an addiction to porn or, or some substance, and you're trying. You're doing your best. You want to get out, but you keep falling back into old habits. I know some of you want a job or a different job. So want a, a, another opportunity, a, a fresh start. And you're praying. And some of you are, are praying for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And you've been praying about this actually for a really, really long time. And, and still there's no Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And I know some of you have Mr. and Mrs. Wright. But right now, it just doesn't seem all right. And you're praying. And you're waiting. And it it seems like the, the longer we wait, the greater 
our doubts become. But I want you to keep in mind, doubt is not the enemy of faith. Doubt is often an invitation to greater faith. The key is for you and me to stop listening to the lies that we tell ourselves or the lies that other people tell us, the lies that Satan tell us, and and just rely in and trust on the truth of God. Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our series, Dealing With My Doubt. And what we're going to look at today, by the time we get through the the scriptures today, we're going to see definitively either God is or isn't working in my life 24-7. So let's check it out. We're going to go to the book of Mark. That's the second book in the New Testament. Uh, A follower of Jesus, he writes these things. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. So here's what's going on with all of that. Right, Jesus has just been out on a regional tour. He's been out on a regional tour, teaching and preaching and healing. And he's gone viral. When he gets to his hometown of Capernaum and the people hear about it, they rush the house. That house is packed full of people. It is breaking fire code after fire code. It's so full, there are people even outside of the house. And in that city, there's a, a paralyzed man. Scriptures don't tell us how that all happened. Doesn't tell us if he was born paralyzed or as a small kid, he fell down and got hurt and became paralyzed. Doesn't doesn't tell us whether he, as an adult, he was working and fell or whatever and became paralyzed. We don't know, but we do know that he was paralyzed. And here's the thing. 
at that time and, and in that place, if someone suffered from something like paralysis and things like that, it was looked upon that either that person or that person's parents sinned, okay? And God was getting them. And so this guy was considered to be a sinner. There was a stigma around him and people would stare at him and stay away from him. And that's what makes part of this story so amazing is that even though his condition and in that setting, this guy had friends. Friends who were not judgmental. Friends who understood we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses. Friends that understood we all have our similarities and we all have our peculiarities. Friends that, that understood we all have our bright spots and we all have our sin spots. And they cared for that man. They prayed for their friend to be healed. And when those guys heard that Jesus was in town, they knew exactly what they were going to do, and they did it right away. They When they got their friend, they placed him on a mat and took him to see Jesus. Okay. Now, I want you to know that carrying a grown man on a mat, even if it was only 100 yards, that's a pretty big task let alone if it was a half mile or a mile. These friends didn't care how far it was. They're taking this paralyzed man, their friend, to see Jesus. And the closer they get to the house, there's an opportunity that they heard some noise because there's so many people there. And as they got to the house, they could see that the, the crowd had overflowed to the outside. They're probably thinking, oh, man, it's going to be hard to get our friend to Jesus, but we'll make our way through. We'll do it. They get to the house. They have their friend on the mat. And they try to go in the house. But no one's moving. No one's budging. No one's having any compassion. Can you imagine if you were that paralyzed man on that mat? And no one's letting you in? the hurt and the despair that you would feel. Understand at the, the time, the Palestinian cookie cutter architecture of the day, houses look pretty much the same. Flat roof and stairs on the outside of the house so that you could get up onto the roof and repair the roof that was made of mud and thatch whenever it would rain or anything like that. Okay. So these four men, they, they can't get their paralyzed friend into the house. And so I picture them, you know, friend one goes, we've got to do something. Friend two is, yeah, but, but what? Friend one goes, if they won't let us in, we're going to go through the roof. Right? Friend three is, yeah, no. That, that's not a good idea. I get where you're coming from, but no. Friend four goes, I'm in. 
And before you know it, these four men are scaling those stairs. The, the mat is on such an angle, the paralyzed man's about to slide off. They get up to the top of the roof. They set their friend down on the roof. And then those friends, they, they kneel down with their ear to the roof. They're, they're trying to find out where Jesus is at, where at in the house is, is Jesus. And when they get a beat on where Jesus is at, they start ripping the roof apart with their hands. And the mud and the, and the thatch start to fall down on Jesus and those around. Can you imagine the owner of the house? Hey, brah, get off my roof. They kept going. And mud and thatch is falling down, and they're throwing mud and thatch over the edge of the house and everything. And pretty soon there's a gaping hole, and the sun is shining through this hole. And the four men lower their man down on his mat with ropes, right by Jesus. As Jesus looks and, and sees all of this and, and sees the friend's eyes and sees the paralyzed man, he has compassion. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And as soon as he says this, some of the compassionate-less teachers of the law who were there, the, the ones, some of those who weren't letting him in, they were thinking to themselves, they weren't saying it out loud, but they were thinking it in their hearts, right? Have you ever been anywhere, you thought something, nobody knows, but you're thinking it? They're thinking, this guy, Jesus, is blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he says to them, guys, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or be healed? For you and me, both those things are impossible, right? For all people, those things are impossible. But, it, but if we would look at it, you know, again, humanly speaking, we would heal someone for a few decades or forgive their sins for all eternity. I think we'd land on the forgiving sins for all eternity was a really hard one, right? What Jesus does is he says, so you know that I have authority to forgive sins. He looks at the paralyzed man. He says, get up. Take up your mat, walk, and go home. And the paralyzed man slides off his mat. And when his feet hit the ground, his legs don't crumble up. He stands firm and strong. He grabs his mat and he walks out through the crowd that wouldn't let him yeah. See, here's what's going on. These actions, forgiving sins and, and healing people, again, impossible for you and me. The forgiveness of sins, you can't see that. So to the human eye, it's not verifiable. But if someone gets healed, our human senses can see that. 
And so what Jesus did is he performed the miracle of healing the man so he could walk. That was verifiable to show to them that even what he said, the forgiveness of sins, he could do that and was doing that and did do that already as well. Jesus was at work in the paralyzed man's life all along. Same is true for you and me. God is always at work in our lives. See, the the men brought their friend to Jesus for physical healing. Jesus first gave him the ultimate spiritual healing. The friends brought their, their friend, the paralyzed man, so that he could walk on earth. Jesus wanted to make it so the man could walk into heaven. See, Jesus knew that you can get into heaven with a sick body, but you can't get into heaven with a sick soul. And so Jesus took care of the ultimate need first. Jesus is always at work in this man's life. And he's always at work in your life and mine too. Sometimes we go through pain and suffering and trials so that we get our focus on Jesus, trust in him and rely on him. You see, here's the good news, the the gospel from Isaiah says, surely, he's talking about Jesus, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus lived a perfect life in our place. He carried our infirmities, our sicknesses, our sorrows, and our sins. And just as that roof was opened up through the hands of people, So Jesus' body was opened up as the hands grabbed the hammer and the nail and pierced his hands and feet. And just as the mud and the thatch from that house fell down to the ground, so also Jesus' blood dripped from off his body on the cross onto the ground. And before Jesus breathed his last, before his last heartbeat, he said, the work of salvation is complete. He said, it is finished. Your sins, your sins, every one of them, no matter what, mine, no matter what, the sins of the world, no matter what, are paid for 
in full. It was a soul healing. And Jesus proved it by three days later rising from the dead. See, the goodness of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins, our ultimate need. The goodness of the gospel isn't being able to have children when you want, always. It's not not having suffering or pain or sickness in your life. It's not being able to to have the the dream job or the, the dream home. It's not getting married. The good news is the forgiveness of sins of Jesus. It is that even if we can't have children, even if we do have suffering and pain in our life, even if there are trials after another, even if the burden is huge, all those things don't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. The good news of the gospel is is not necessarily that we will be healed, but that he will forgive your sins forever. See, peace isn't found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of God. You and I, right, we, we get so caught, we, we want to have a, a normal life. But Jesus wants us to have a glorious life. We want to be on the team. We want to be in first place. God wants us to live in the highest place. We so want relief. Jesus so wants redemption. See, God always has more in store. Like the paralyzed man, our struggles might be the door for our salvation. Our hurts might very well be the help that we need so that we run to Jesus and rely on him. Make no mistake about it. God is working in all things out of love for you, for your eternal good. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we go through life, sometimes our life seems like a million-piece puzzle. We don't know where to start. 
We don't know where we're at. We don't know how this is gonna fit together. We feel like giving up. Help us to know you made the puzzle and you will put the puzzle together. And it's gonna be a beautiful picture where you and we live together for all eternity without any pain or suffering in the glories of heaven. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.